Hello and welcome to Wolfie's Talks. Direct from the Middle East, bringing you unique insight from the Pro Peloton and the best cycling brands around the world. Behind the scenes, personal stories, tips and inspiration. These interviews with the stars will take you from the tracks to the mountains and leave you dreaming about riding even more. Tune in to Wolfie's Talks, keeping up with the pros. Good evening, Alex. How are you doing? Uh, welcome to Wolfie's Talks. Um, thank you so much. We're very, very happy to have you on, on our show. Um, I think Physic is really one of the brands we, we really like. It's a cool brand um, and, and we like all the Italian touch to this. I ask my guests always, the first question is, I know you're an athlete, you're a triathlete. The, the last minute before the race starts, what are you doing? Oh, well, uh, well, it depends on the race. It's, a, it's actually a triathlon. I actually pray that I will get out, out of, of the water as soon as possible because I'm not a good swimmer. <laughs> so, yeah, that's something that, you know, uh, every triathlete has his weakness. So mine is winning. And so I just hope to get started on, this, on the cycling uh, segment of the, of the race and then, you know, feel the flow towards the finishing line. Very good, very good. Um, for Physic, can you tell us a bit more about the company Physic? Obviously, you're working with all the products which are contact points. You do saddles, you do shoes, you do bar tape. Um, and, and can you tell us a bit more when the company was founded and all the, all the story all about it, please? Yeah, um, Physic was founded in 1996. It's actually part of the Celeroy Group, which is founded in the 50s. So Celeroy was, you know, one of the most... Uh, important uh, brands in saddle manufacturing. And, uh, you know, in the 90s, uh, the, the ownership decided to have, you know, a more performance line, more performance brands at the company. And that's why Physic was founded. So as you as you said, we we made saddles for sure, being you know, a part of the saddle manufacturing group. Uh, we make martyrs, we make shoes, especially shoes. So in the past years, we focused a lot and a lot on the technology, on the innovation, also regarding shoes. You know, all the touching points that we have on the bicycle. So for physique, it's important that, um, well, we, we think that the most important goal for the brand is what we call the beauty of challenge. I mean, you know, being you a professional, an amateur, you have your own challenge. The challenges of our brand is to provide consumers the cyclists, something related to performance for sure. We are going to provide them with the most innovative uh, technology out there, but yes. also we want to provide a beautiful product. So we are very focused on design, on how we create the aesthetic of the shoe, the aesthetic of the saddle. So everything should be integrated in what we call the beauty of challenge. Very good. We prepared a little video clip and you send us this and, and we just want to show everyone what it's what is physic all about. And it's it's a little bit of a longer clip, but we really felt like it was really worth it to show it uh, to give people an idea about the company and so on. So I would ask Will, uh, who is our graphic designer, to, to play the clip, please. If you can create something that is recognizable with a few lines, you know you've got something with a strong potential. You know, many companies, they start thinking about the product right away. They start thinking about technology right away. We start by looking at 
you know, people that cycle, why they cycle, what the type of experience uh, they are, they're seeking, and that leads us to think about products that kind of go in that direction. Uh, how can we do a better product? How can we do a more comfortable product? How can we do a more lighter product? But the real question is how can we bring the future into today's products? traditional linear process, uh, usually the prototypes are done toward the end of the process to express uh, manufacturability. Instead here the prototypes are a way of learning a little bit more and test our solutions. You spend less time working on a clean sheet of paper than you used to do before. There's many more tools you have at hand now. Which means you need to be flexible as a designer. You need to learn new ways of working all the time. So the fact that we are doing so many iterations of product uh, prototypes, that means we, we rely so much on external feedback. For a project like this, you have input from many different people. You have input from medical professionals. You have input from professional bicycle riders. You have the commercial side is coming in with the market trends. And then you have the engineers with their technical and feasibility uh, input. And it takes a long time just to understand what all these people talk about because they talk in very different ways and you have to listen to them in different ways. Your job as a designer is to try to compile that into a shape. Collaboration is, is everything. Every feedback I get from the riders or the mechanics is very important to improve the, the products. Technologies are not really the key. They become just a mean to get where we want to be. You're not going to listen to some pressure map on its own. How do you feel about how that saddle works? Because that's the thing I want to know. The goal of our community is, I would say, to make better product, but it's more than product. It's about delivering the right experience, an experience that you know, cyclists can appreciate. The spirit behind this project is trying to bring everything and everyone together to the main goal that is making cyclists' life better. The way we see it here is more a philosophy towards product development. That philosophy becomes a mindset, which basically is a creative problem solving. We are all cyclists. Uh, we are different kind of cyclists, and we brought all our experience in one table, and from there we start to innovate. Wow. It's such a cool clip. I, I really like to watch it. And I, I think it really shows the passion uh, all of you have uh, in the company to make really one of the best saddles. I love it how they make the saddle and make the prototype. And, and it's a lot of handwork. I saw um, the last couple of days, I saw a video from Cedric Garcia um, about um, how he made a saddle in your company. And, and, and he was amazed about how much handwork it is. But I have a lot of respect 
for for people who can who can produce something with the leather, with the stitching, with the with the foam, and all these different things. So, uh, can you tell us a bit more how the saddle started and and what's maybe the best selling saddle in your range and how much time does it take to develop a new product? Well, um, it takes a lot of time actually. Uh, when when I joined the company uh, about two years ago, uh, coming from you know the, coming from the bike industry anyway, I was actually surprised on the amount of time that our company spent on developing product like the saddle. Usually it takes almost a couple of years from you know, all the research that we make before starting actually giving the work to the engineers and you know, making all the stuff that they are able to do. Uh, it's interesting because as the video explained very well, before starting the project, we have you know interdisciplinary group where you know we have manufacturers, we have engineers, we have cyclists, we have doctors, physio, bike fitters, any well, actually all the people working in the industry and towards the cyclists all coming together in the same room talking about what we should do to make cyclists life better. And that's you know that's the starting point of everything because then we have the designer working with us together and the engineers and for sure then we have all the uh, iteration that we can have for making saddle but you know um recently we we also did a, a different kind of saddle the, the 3d saddle you know what we call the adaptive saddle that's a completely different project because it's part of the concepts uh, i would say program of we that we have in physics or this cross-disciplinary group of work but with that technology, actually, we might have less handmade parts in terms of what we do for the saddle. But you know, it's the, the technology that we think is going to be the today technology and the future technology, uh, because the kind of iteration that you have with a traditional industrial method is actually slashing throughout, or even less in terms of how many iterations you can do in the same amount of time. I'm usually when I talk about the well the uh, the 3D padding um, 3D padding saddle, it's something that amazes everyone because usually with a standard saddle you might have 10, 15, uh, 20 iteration during the development phase. With this technology, we were were able to have almost 100 iterations in a couple of weeks. So basically, it's you know, the amount of testing that you might have with this technology, it's impressive. You can collect every data, every pressure mapping, and then have the best possible padding for achieving the comfort. Yeah, fantastic. It, you know, in the saddle, you just showed adaptive technology, and we have later a little clip as well for that to, to show again how, how it is done. But this is a 3D printed saddle. So how, how can maybe people imagine that the process, is it really done in a in a 3D printer, maybe we know that you lay it in, in a box and then the 3D printer is working or what's really the technology behind it? It's a completely different technology. It's what we call the uh, additive technology. It's not like layering up yes. the, uh, the materials that you use uh, for prototyping. So it's um, a technology that we uh, have in collaboration with Carbon, which is a company uh, based in the Silicon Valley in California. So they create the, the system of you know, using some resin, some lattices that, you know, in, a, in their printer will uh, uh, produce the, any, any shape that you can design, basically. 
I, I won't go into the details because it's quite complex. Uh, explaining all the um, all the phases of the printer of, of the printing. So basically, uh, you have a printing machine where there's a UV light, bulb light inside it that project the the shape of what you want to print on a mirror. Okay, and then you know all the technology inside the printer will create, as you briefly see in the video before, uh, in our case the padding. Uh, taking life outside the, the printer and when you remove from the printer then for sure you have a couple of more steps like the curing for example that you know, make sure that the mechanical parameters of the of the print will maintain uh, the same for the whole duration of the saddle and then you can just glue on your shell and be ready to ride very good. We have a short clip um, and we want to maybe show this that maybe people can, can understand a bit better what we're talking about. So if you will, if you don't mind, play the clip for the saddle. I have a friend who is really excited about the saddle and it's very interesting for me when I touched it. And obviously the density of the saddle uh, was in different areas. You, you can achieve different density and it was really interesting. And he said, listen, that's the best saddle he had ever ridden. And, and it solved all his saddle issues and he's riding a lot. So it was really, really interesting. We have some really good feedback. And do a lot of the pro riders using uh, that saddle? There are a few of them. A few of them that are using the saddle. Um, they solve many issues because as you, as you mentioned, uh, theoretically, you can have every, every cell of the saddle yes. uh, with different parameters. And each parameter could be you know, designed for your own pressure mapping. Uh, we decided to divide the saddle into three different zones yes. according to the riding positions of the, of the rider. So whenever the rider has their hands on the top of the handlebar, on yes. the hood or on the below position of drop bars, then your position on the saddle is actually changing a little bit. So even your, you know, your part of your body touching the saddles are different. So that's yes. why you need different support. So with this technology, not only you are able to divide the saddle in different zones, but also um, vertically, you can have a progressive uh, parameters. Yes. It means that whatever your body weight is, then the saddle adapts to your body weight, and then you have you know, uh, body weight distribution, more stability, and actually the peak pressure is about 60% less than compared to a traditional saddle. And 60% is not you know, the marketing numbers that you, you always have from the, from the bike industry. Yes. That's something that we measure, and it's the average peak pressure reduction because there are some riders that even reach 70 or 80 percent less compared to a you know traditional saddle so Fantastic. that's amazing of what you can achieve with the technology are you planning to use the same technology in other areas as well let's say with the shoes or can you see it in bar tape or can you see anything where you can uh, use this in the future well um i think that we are just a big, at the beginning of really? using the technology for sure it's still quite expensive compared to a traditional industrial method Yes. I think as you know, every technology out there at the beginning should be you know, a little bit more expensive than you know, what is traditional. But in the future, if we can achieve you know, wider volume, then I think that you, know, you can use the technology in other segments of the, the product. Yeah, very cool. You know, I mean, honestly, at the beginning when I saw it and I saw the first pictures of the saddle, I wasn't sure 
if, if it's really something which would work. I thought it was a bit of a, ah, it's a cool looking saddle, but I, I wasn't sure. That, but then when I had the first time that saddle in my hand and I, I was I was dealing with it and pushing it and I thought this is really something special. And I could see obviously the ventilation. I could see obviously that you can modify it. You can make different things happening. And and it felt really durable. It felt really, it, it felt really valuable. So I, I think you did a really good job there. Uh, amazing, yeah. Yeah, you know that uh, at the beginning we we, we released the, the saddle only in the full carbon version, so yes. I'm sure that's more expensive than any other saddle. But then eventually through the year we also expand the range of saddle with the technology uh, to make sure that you know could be also achievable with a lower price, still more expensive than a traditional saddle, but you know um, more available, more availability even for different requests. Very good. Uh, 2019 was an amazing year for you. You won uh, all the three Grand Tours. Um, mm -hmm. So for, for a saddle brand, I think that's that's quite something special. Um, and again, with all different with different riders. So from Egan Benal, uh, you had Primus Roglic, uh, you winning winning race Richard Carapaz. So all of them riding your saddle. And I think obviously spending three and a half, four thousand kilometers in the saddle. How is it to work with the pro teams? How much feedback are you getting from them? How much is really influencing? Is, is there one, maybe one rider standing out who is really active and really giving you a lot of feedback? And what did you learn in the past years from, from these guys? Well, you know, uh, usually the, um, uh, the pro cyclists are more available, I would say, during the training camp. So for us, for, you know, for every partners of the World Tour teams, the training camps are more important because you have the ability and the chance to spend more time with them, talking a little bit more because during the season, uh, when you know they are keep on traveling for, to train camp, to, uh, to races, it's more difficult to get in touch with them. But the training camps is the moment of the year where you collect all the feedback from the year. Uh, you work with them, with the bike seekers, and to see, to check what's uh, can be achievable in the product line to make sure that they have the right products for their performance. So you always learn a lot from them. For sure, each rider is different, uh, different requests. Uh, there are riders that I would say that are more sensible and I, they can give you more detailed feedback, uh, both on shoes and on saddles. There are other riders that are less sensible, so they are okay with you know, any products that you have. And actually, it's the same in the real world. Uh, even out there, if you talk to dealers, for example, yes. where you know uh, customers that you know are more picky in terms of choosing saddle, they're keeping on having some issues. So those are the riders that you are, need to talk more to get you know the points where you need to make modification to the products and have the uh, the next generation of the best in products. Very good. If we have now a customer out there and he said, oh, I'm, I'm interested in a saddle, what, what do you think is the best way forward to find uh, the best saddle in the, uh, in the physique range? Uh, how would you, what do you think is the best way forward? So um, I think I'm more, a little bit more than a year ago on our website, we actually create a page which is called the Saddle Finder. Mm -hmm. So it's quite easy. Uh, the consumer, the potential customer in this case, uh, can ask a few questions and then they have free results according to you know the the bike that they are using because it's very important to understand as a starting point which bike 
the consumer is using because the geometry of the bike is actually give more influence on the riding position to the rider. I remember many, many years ago, one of my first bike fitting, uh, I was told, okay, you got your saddle, just use on every bike that you have. But now we know that's completely wrong yes. because the geometry of the bike influenced how you are sitting in the saddle. So yes. basically the same saddle on different bike will get you different results. Uh, a couple of years ago, we launched the our Argo platform, which is our short nose saddle. Yes. For that saddle, we have three different uh, versions of that saddle. One yes. for more air position, one more for endurance position, even one for gravel rides. Yeah. We know that that geometry, the intended use of the bicycle, will change your need of saddle. So that's for sure it's the main starting point. And for sure, even if you are, you know, an experienced rider or a beginner rider, then you will have to choose differently because, you know, if you are a beginner, usually uh, you might have more issue in adapting to a saddle, but if you are more experienced, then you already know what could work for you. So you think really it's the position of the of the person on the bike, and if you go more in an aero position and you rotate your pelvis a bit further forward, or you sit a bit more upright, obviously the, the position of your pelvis on the saddle is, is changing. And so you adapt then the padding or the, what changes are you making uh, with the saddle? And how can people know which saddle is for which purpose? Do you have a certain descriptive uh, uh, terms on the saddles? Yeah, uh, I will. I have an example here. I was mentioned before the, the Argo platform. So this is what we call the Vento Argo. So part of the Vento series. Vento for physique is for all the products that we made for racing basically. Okay. Why we think that this saddle works better for air position. If you see here, the nose it's just like a drop down shape. So yes. we will have more support whenever the rider is in a more air position. So if you are an aero bike, a more aggressive geometry, then I will definitely suggest this saddle. Also the, uh, the padding is different because it's more stiffer, more responsive. Yeah. So you need, you know, something more that support your, you know, whenever you are more engaging in power transfer. Uh, also, the the thickness of the padding is actually different from an endurance uh, saddle compared to a racing saddle. So those are all the, the stuff that you need to look uh, at the, the specification of the saddle that you, that you want. Uh, but, you know, as I mentioned, it all starts from your bicycle and your position on the bicycle you know start which will influence more your pressure dynamic than you know the uh, everything coming from the bike very good you work very closely with phil bird who was the, the head of physiotherapy for team sky many years back so i i had the pleasure to meet him as well and, and speak to him about saddle so um, working with the bike fit i think that that's really a good good idea to come to that uh to that ideal saddle so and then um when somebody sits a bit more upright, you would shift the padding uh, a little bit further back so that he has a bit more support. And would you change the density of the padding? Exactly, exactly. So basically, if you are more in upright position, uh, you are more seated on your ischial bones. So yes. this area of the saddle is actually becoming more important. So that's why the formulation, the chemical formulation that we use for the saddle are actually a bit different from racing saddle. And for sure, also, I would say the, the width of the saddle will change a bit. Uh, when you are in a more position, you probably need a narrower saddle. 
Whenever yeah. you are in more of the right position, then you need more support to these right. ones. Then you need to uh, get a little bit wider. Uh, sometimes we receive uh, requests for suggestions uh, for you know for the saddle. And first thing I ask, okay, you are in a more air position or a more upright position? Because even if your discal bones uh, distance is the same, yes. you know, it's a fixed number, then yes. you might need to change whatever actually needs for you. Very good. And then the saddles come with different rails. Uh, and that obviously as well determines a bit the price. Can you tell us a bit more about the rails? And I think you have completely integrated rail structures as well and carbon saddles. So maybe just to, to talk people a bit through the range that they understand how to find um, a good saddle for them and, and as well matching their, their price point. So for those who are not familiar with the uh, physique saddle range, it's actually uh, divided into different levels. Uh, the zero zero level, which is the, the full carbon version, uh, for example, well, I have heard the saddle. Full carbon means that you have rail, carbon rails, carbon shell. And for the zero zero, usually we have a full look design here, which is patented by, by Seller Royal Group. So it's something that we actually invented, created. And this system is actually working well because it will increase the stiffness, the structure stiffness of the shell. Was actually is helping distributing the weight better all along the, the structure of the saddle. So that's for um, mostly for our um, full carbon version um, for carbon saddles. Then we have the R1 or the X1. R and X stands for road or off-road. Okay. So the R stands for road, and the R1 is um, you have still the carbon rail but the shell is not full carbon, but it's carbon reinforced. So we are going into the plastic world in the nylon world. And then for the R3 level or the R5 level, then also changing uh, the rail option, not more carbon, but it's more of metal. It's what we call kiln or SLO, which is manganese for the R5 level. So that's also create a you know, price ladder for, for saddles. Mm -hmm. And do you feel, uh, obviously, we have a significant weight saving when we go from, from alloy or uh, metal uh, rails to carbon, but is it as well a difference in stability and, and maybe vibration damping? Can you see changes there? Um, if you are changing from the carbon rail version to the metal version, alloy version, there's a little change also in the, the perceived stiffness of the whole structure, but it's very, very difficult. You have to be very, very sensible, I would say, to, uh, to feel it. Uh, usually, uh, the carbon rail version is chosen by those that wants to save a few grams. Yes. That's means, especially for lighter bike, if you're a climber, then you also need to save some grams. But in terms of the flexibility of the shell, it's actually very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And what was the maybe uh, the best-selling saddle you have produced so far? Is there one product which really stands out? Is it like something like an Antares or the Arione? Is that what is the best-selling product you have you have done in terms of saddles? If we if we talk about um, the last year, the 3D printed saddle actually outscored every saddle in the market, and that's, it was a really surprise for us. Yes, we we actually. Uh, didn't forecast such a big number of those saddles, but actually it means that there are a lot of people out there that are looking for a comfortable saddle. They are willing to spend a little bit more just to get, you know, the right comfort and, you know, solve any, any issue. 
I think if we talk historically, you know that we have the iconic saddles in the Pisic range, which are the Rione, Antares, Liante. Those probably are the most common saddles that we still have in our catalog. The Antares probably the more democratic of the saddles, sometimes also used not only by roadies, but also in cross country, for example. So that I would say that Antares probably is the shape uh, that historically is selling the most. Mm -hmm, very nice. Um, do you have one of the, the Antares saddles with you? Um, actually, not yet in the office with me. Yes. But, the... Well, actually, this one is the is the Antares, but yes. it's the Sibo version. So it's not yes. solid, but yes. it's with a channel. So that's actually the based on the Antares shape. Okay. How long did it take from the first idea of making an adaptive saddle how long uh, can can we think about it? Is it one year, two years? How long does it take to come from an idea to a saddle, which is then in, in the hands of a dealer or on a bike from a rider? Uh, well, with the, the 3D printed technology, we did a very good job. And thanks to the technology, we were able to be in the market uh, in less than one year. But because as I mentioned before, the technology allows you to go from the idea to the final yes. product uh, without all the uh, industrial phases that you usually yes. have inside. So you have printing the padding, and then you can go right after in the lab or on the road and testing and settle. So for us, for sure, we needed to uh, get the knowledge of the technology before yeah. getting the market. So we spent a lot of time learning the technology. Uh, but, you know, even in such a small amount of time, the main date, number of the iteration that we did is actually higher and higher, something that you know, is, cannot achieve achievable by the traditional industrial method. That's why we were able to get in the market very, very fast. Okay. So we, well, please go ahead. Because you have to normally make a shape and you have to make a, a saddle. In, when you do traditional things, you create a mold and then you create a shape. But now you said when you're printing this and you can create it as you like and you can change it very quickly. I think this is really has changed obviously the industry with the whole 3D printing um, and making designs. We see this when they're building bikes and they make prototypes for, for aero bars or aero attachments and so on. So today really it's within no time. My, my brother has a company that's working with 3D printing um, and, and it's quite amazing how quickly you can do things today, where, which before it took weeks and weeks and months to, uh, to create samples and, and the mold and everything like this. So this is really amazing and fantastic with the saddle. So that's, that's really good to hear. Yeah, fantastic. Thank and you. it's very durable. I was surprised when touching the surface. I, I was a bit afraid to break it, but it, it's really, really solid. And we have, we have tested the saddles and they're really, uh, really fantastic. Yeah, we, we actually did a lot of internal tests because we have you know, the, um, what we call the climatic chamber, where you put the padding, the saddles inside the, this chamber for actually 12 days. And during those 12 days, you can test every climatic that you have. So from uh, temperature coming from below 20 to up to 60 degrees, changing of humidity rate, so you you can also get the UV aging, so you can test the saddle in this chamber where you know you can simulate the exposure to the sun for, for many, many days. And actually the mechanical properties of the padding is not changing. So yeah. we will be surprised because uh, 
probably is going to be the most durable saddle out there with this technology. Top of the range model where you worked a lot as well on the arch support and, and, um, and ventilation, which I think is very important for us. Can you tell us a bit more about the shoe, the Vento? Yeah, this is the, what, what we call the Vento Stabilita. Uh, Vento because it's part of the, the Vento series, so part of the racing products that we have. Stability is what we call the dynamic arch support that we created and we attempted for, for the shoe. So during at the start of the conversation, we talk about how we work with the pro team, with the riders. Uh, that's something that we uh, try to understand whenever we are at training camps. We always saw bike fitters working not only on the saddle position, but also working on what happens inside the shoe. Yes. And we know that most of the professional athletes have custom insoles. So we try to understand what could be done better in that part of the shoe. Uh, because working and talking with bike fitter, they always talk uh, taught us, uh, yes, they have the custom insoles, but sometimes you don't have the right amount of support from the shoe. So it will be better if you can choose something that could support your support, the, the art of their feet. Because supporting the art of the feet means that you stiffen uh, the, um, uh, the, the foot that you have inside the shoe. And you know that whenever you increase the stiffness of the whole, of the whole system, actually the power transfer is actually more efficient. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to maintain and create the right amount of support. So with you know, um, our designers, with engineers, and for sure, this is part of the concept programming physics or part of the cross-disciplinary uh, program that we have. We work together with Dr. Physio to understand how could be possible to achieve that function. So we try to play a little bit with the, uh, the system and with Eventually, we decided to remove part of the outsole, mm -hmm. create this system where you can envelop your, your, your arc basically on the bottom of the, of the foot. Uh, and that's what we call the dynamic arc support. It's you know, beautiful. We are very proud of the shoe. Uh, it can work with any, any anatomy of your foot that you have, because here you have the, um, the bow dials that adjusted the amount of pressure that you want to have on your arc yeah. and then for sure we also have the other bar for the volume control for the mid-step so it's you know very light shoe very very ventilated because removing part of the outsole will increase the temperature management yes. but also removing part of the sole doesn't mean that the stiffness of the sole is decreased we were able to maintain the state top of the line stiffness as you have on the traditional infinito, for example. So for physique, the, the scale of the index is from 10 to one. Uh, there's no, I would say, general indexing of the, of the outsole. So any brands you will have, you will see that they're using different soles, different scale. Uh, for us, for physique, the number 10 is the best. And also for the shoe, even with that part of the shoe removed, it's one of the most stiff. Yes. I like this one when you show maybe the front of the shoe again, there's a very nice air intake from the front, 
um, where you can see the air can stream in from the soil. Yeah, I thought it was nice for us because obviously Dubai, uh, we're riding a lot in the summer. It's really, really hot. And then I think a bit of uh, cooling cooling air. And I thought interesting was as well the insole. When I took the insole out of the shoe, uh, that it was kind of a flexible material. And you could really see where the, the tightening of the bore was really lifting uh, the shoe up. And then from the inside, just visible, but you have some streamline here, very, very flexible. Yes. When you are you know, uh, closing your bar, your dials, is actually this part will flex a little bit and will you know, create the enveloping um, feeling that you have on your arm. So it's yes. very comfortable shoes. Very good. Something about the upper material, what are you using as the, the main material for the shoe that felt a little different? It felt a little bit rougher. It was really comfortable, but what are, what are you using there? It's not a leather. No, it's not, it's not leather, it's a laminated mesh. So basically it's a more breathable material compared to Microtex or, or leather. So it, it's important because thanks to this material, you have a lighter shoe in general, but also more breathable. So especially, especially if you are in Dubai with such a high temperature, this kind of material composition will increase uh, the temperature management that you might need. Very good. Also, also, we actually, uh, I think for the Dubai customers, we actually have another shoe is actually even more ventilated that could be also interesting. Yes. That has been innovative also in, uh, in our range. It's what it's called the VR with, I have here with me. Uh, not yes. sure if you already see this one, it was launched yes. uh, about a year ago. So if you need the best ventilation as possible, if I, you can see here. Yeah, you can see through. You, you can see through. You can see through. So it's yes. very, very light. It's actually the shoe that I'm using the most, especially also here in Italy, not of Italy in the summer. Could be quite hot, quite humid. It's a shoe that it's about less than 200 grams. You have the power strap that will envelop your feet very, very well. So even if you need some support in your heart, uh, this could be a very nice solution. Uh, it's breathable because what we use here is um, a net-like construction, I would say. Uh, so that's why you can see through the shoe. Uh, it's very tenacious, it's very durable, but also the most breathable material that we have in our range so far. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, we've seen it uh, in, in the store. It's really nice and really ventilated. I like as well the range of adjustment you have on the cleats, on the, on the sole, that you get a long range there. Um, that, that there's a lot of options, obviously, to, to go rather further a little bit back. And I see as well the ventilation on the front again, where there's a real big air intake uh, to cool the feet. And is this the shoe you're using for triathlon as well? Or you have a specific shoe uh, you're using for triathlon for yourself? Or is this your tri-shoe? Um, this one is the, the, the shoe that I use for training and okay. for normal road racing. For triathlon, for sure. I prefer a specific shoe with a, you yes. know, a big strap out there because whenever you have, you need a faster transition, uh, yeah. then you need a specific triathlon shoe. Uh, so that's why I'm not using this one for racing. Uh, but for you know, usual uh, road race and training on the road, that is just, just perfect. Also, as you mentioned before, the, the clip position, it's something that also we started with biomechanics because unless other um, shoe manufacturing, I would say, we uh, recessed a little bit the, the clip position. Because, Good. Uh, 
more modern biomechanics studies ask yeah. us to you know recess a little bit the position of the clip because uh, the bike geometries are changing uh, yeah. here by here a little bit they are more aggressive they put yes. the rider in a different position so that's why you need to recess the position of the cleats a little bit more not only for achieving the best possible position on the bike but also to prevent injury because yes. recessing the position of the cleats will decompress the pressure that you have on your knees so that's why it's also healthier uh, changing and getting back on the position on, on the cleats yeah very good and um, we, we studied this a lot we're working with a company from germany called jebiomeist where they do the saddle pressure and foot pressure mapping uh, inside the sole and we saw a lot of things when we're moving with the cleats and we saw the right the right shape of the shoes and so on and the stiffer soles and so on. it was very interesting to study uh, this for us to to understand shoes and what happens as you said what happens inside uh, your shoe when you're pedaling there was something quite interesting um you have as well different soles for different shoes um, how would you describe the, the different models and, and what, what can people expect when they're going through the shoe? Um, what are the differences? If you're using unidirectional carbon fiber um, for, for, the, uh, for the sole of the shoe? Yeah, for the top of the line shoes, well, for example, like this one, it's a full carbon unidirectional carbon uh, sole. And that's the sole that we use for our racing uh, top of the line shoe. Uh, then in our range we offer different construction and different uh, stiffness units I would say uh, because not everyone needs you know very stiff outsole sometimes yes. you prefer to have a little bit more comfort inside your shoe then we have the what we call the R4 shoe uh, which is on our overture uh, on our tempo overture shoe it's a carbon injected uh, sole. It's a little bit more flexible, but it's a, a nice compromise between performance and comfort, I would say. Is mm -hmm. the stiffness index seven, for example. Okay. And if you go down on price, then you also go a different material, more nylon, less carbon, a little bit more flexible, a little bit more comfortable, I would say, because you, you might expect that riders need uh, need different feeling uh, during their rides, so we try to complement with our range all the choice that you might have in shop. Very good. So, what's the best way you think for riders to go? Is it again something where you can give them some guidance to find the right shoe? What's what's the best way forward? And and do you offer as well shoes with a wider shape and a narrow shape? Yeah. Uh, for the for the tempo over Qvar four, since last year we also offer a wide fit. Okay. And to help the um, uh, the consumers to choose which fit to choice to choose, and we have a guide in our website. So if you go to our website, there's a sizing guide, and where you can select, you can actually print uh, the guide, make your measurement, and then according to the system, we uh, suggest. If you are, if you should go to a white fit or a regular fit, um, and is the wider is the sole wider on the wider shoe? Is it just a bit more volume? Or how much wider is a, from from a let's say a forty two uh, shoe size, and I go from a regular to a white? How much difference would this approximately be? Yeah, uh, so we actually did uh, a specific wide shoe, wide sole. Sorry. Yes. 
so it's not only the, the last, so the shape of the shoe is actually bigger, so more upper uh, to increase the volume. We wanted to provide to the wider fit users the same features, the same functionality, the same feeling as the regular fit. So that's yes. why having uh, a specific outsole was very important. In terms of how wide it is, it's actually six, seven millimeters wider, but it's not only the width of the shoe that is changing, it's actually the volume in the forefront of the shoe. So we are talking about the perimeter, about 13, 12 millimeter more. So it's quite a lot. Very good. No, no I, I, I tested them and they, they feel really nice. And I think the best thing is really, they look really cool. You had some really cool colors as well. I don't know if you have some samples of the colors we can, we can show because I think of them, some of them are really outstanding. Um, and, and obviously Italian style, uh, you, you did some really, really cool looking, looking shoes. Yeah, if you, if you look at the website, you can see all the all the colors that we have. Especially for, for that shoe, we make some iridescent color, which are which is very very nice. Uh, what we call the copper and the beetle color, which something that is uh, very requested. Uh, constantly sold out on our website uh, these days, and uh, so it's something that you know, right price point, uh, right features right colors make you know, the, the product go away very fast. Yeah, very nice. And um, we spoke about before about the pro teams and the pro riders. Um, are, you, are you working with them very closely? Do you have any cool stories from people when they, when they gave you good feedback and, and how much do you learn from them uh, when you work with the pro teams and, and maybe about shoes? Is there anybody really uh, interesting things you can, you can share with us? Well, uh... Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's a lot of cool stories. Uh, something I I cannot say, unfortunately, because you know there are uh, some NDAs, I would say, between us and them. Uh, something something nice that we usually do when um, um, they have some issues, for example, on, yes. on saddles, we are able since our factory is be behind it, be below our office. Just make small adjustment on the foam, just to make sure that they have at the padding that they want, there the stiffness that they want. So sometimes the saddle used by some pro riders are just slightly different from what you usually have on the on the market in the shop, because you know uh, we we needed to have them uh, with the best possible solution. Sometimes a custom solution for them is what they ask for. So. Yeah, very nice. I saw again uh, the video was really cool when when Sergio Garcia was was going to the factory, and I think you took him really to the full process um, of of making the saddle. And and again, he was amazed. And I don't know how many times you mentioned this during the video that it, that he was really uh, fascinated about all the the people working and that it's all about handwork. And I think this is maybe for for most people really uh, sometimes difficult to comprehend how much handwork it really goes into a saddle goes into a pair of shoes that it's really uh, people stitching the leather. Uh, I was surprised that somebody really put the leather on the saddle and there was one lady, there was no machine. She was just kind of aiming over the saddle and aligning everything and then pulling it down and then gluing it again and so on. So it is really quite humbling to see it. And I think you get a completely different appreciation of the product itself uh, when you do it. Have you worked in the factory? Have you worked with the ladies and men doing it? I, I tried, I remember when I joined the company, uh, I spent a few days 
working in the factory, testing or all the old phases of the shadow manufacturing. And believe me, it's so, so difficult. I, I yes. try to place the cover on, on the shadow. I never get it right. Never. It's possible. I don't know how they made it. It's very complicated. It seems a very simple task, yes. but you need a lot of attention, a lot of eye because it's very, uh, it's very difficult to be as precise as possible. And then also our quality control is incredible because sometimes they uh, decide not to sell several that honestly speaking, even if I'm in product, sometimes I don't see any difference between one another because yes. they are so attentive. Uh, Quality is so high. The request for the product quality is so high. Uh, so you have to be an experienced um, uh, inside of manufacturing. Otherwise, you know it's incredible. Believe. Yeah, very good. Very good. I was fascinated to see that. And the last piece, obviously, on the on the puzzle is you have now the saddle to make people more comfortable. You have the shoes connecting the bike, and then there's bar tape. Um, which is which is another category. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the tapes you're offering? Yeah, even for the tapes, we offer a lot of different construction. Um, there are, in, in terms of what you want as a as a thickness of the barcode, I would say yeah. we the range is between two millimeter to uh, three millimeter. The three millimeter is more cushioning with EVA. Uh, sometimes for more gravel off-road users uh, who benefit from having you know, more cushioning on the on the handlebar, or if they are going to the Paris Bay or on the Slanders where you have cobblestone, yes, for thickness. So we have also bar tape for for that users, uh, but also in terms of the the touch of the bar tapes, also we offer different um, solutions, more classical, more soft more tacky uh, the alternatives and solution the mix of construction is quite high also we have a lot of attention in colors recently for example we introduced a bar tape matching with the adaptive saddle with the green one uh, so yes. you can match the, the green saddle with the bar tape and the saddle also we have a new scale of gray colors which is something very cool because recently Many, many frame manufacturers are selling bikes on very different grayscale. So we have also have a um, solution for matching tapes with the, the bicycle. So really the selection is so wide uh, that we are also very proud of that segment of that category. Very nice. And maybe obviously we were all affected by COVID in the last couple of months. How is it for you? How is the situation? Can, when, when somebody orders a saddle now, and, and is it easy for you at the moment to supply or you have a lot of backlog? Um, so if somebody wants an adaptive saddle, how long will it usually take until we, we can expect uh, the saddle to be in the store? Well, if we're talking about uh, aftermarket sales, I think uh, we are quite good in terms of lead times. I uh, don't think that we can expect more than a couple of months if something is not in stock. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a little bit different in terms of OEM suppliers because, yeah. you know, uh, the uh, bike manufacturing, bike selling is booming uh, this yes. past year. So every bike manufacturer are increasing the request of components, not talking uh, only about saddles, but wheels, components, 
handlebars, stems, uh, anything going on the bicycle. So even uh, for us that we manage, we control our production because the production is uh, our own production. Yes. That helps us a lot because we are flexible to changing from kind of construction to another construction to, you know, uh, comply with the request of the customer. But, but even if we are, we own the, our factories uh, for OEM, I think the uh, return is still quite high at the moment. Um, probably almost, well, I would say more than six months, but more closer to nine, 10 months at the moment. Uh, we will see a lot more attention for, even from customers that usually not buy from us, but we are the ones that uh, are able to be more flexible and giving more availability to, uh, uh, to our consumers, to our customers. So we are happy to, to, to do that. But I think that for this year, next year, it's going to be for the whole industry. I'm not talking about sales. Very busy. Complicated, very, very busy for everyone. And did you increase? How many people did work with uh, physics before? And how many people did you increase the staff? How many people are working in the factory and, and in the whole office in, in physics? Uh, if we uh, talk about the uh, people in the manufacturing in Italy, I think there are about 300 people and wow. probably the same in our own factory in Asia. Uh, so there are about 600 people, even a little bit more. Uh, for sure, we are expanding. We are you know, investing in more production line to meet the requirement of the customers. Uh, we start moving and orders new machinery since last summer. So we expect to be able to increase our capacity very, very soon. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, Alex, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of your time and, and I want to just acknowledge Physic as, as a company. I think really you make some super nice and stylish products. I think you make uh, cyclists look better. Um, I think really the, the effort you put in into bar tapes, into saddles, into shoes, Uh, really shows and, and I think that's as well one of the slogans that you want to make cyclists life a little bit easier and I, I can really say you have been really successful with this and we really like to be a, your partner uh, for the GCC region for all these products so uh, thank you very much for this and thanks for your time and I have to say thanks again for our next guest which I'm really excited about and, and thanks to your team uh, to arranging this that we're speaking uh, to the Tour de France champion Olympic gold medalist Uh, Garen Thomas. So I'm, I'm really excited to speak to, to G uh, about his career and about using physics products and so on. So I'm really excited and, and thanks again uh, that, we, uh, that you arranged for us to have him as our guest on our show. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure being your guest today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Regards to Italy and I hope we see you soon in Dubai once we can oh, okay. then we can show you how we ride in Dubai and the cycle track and everything. So I'm looking forward to see you. Yeah? Thank you so much. Thank you. Take Thank care. you, Alex. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And next week, and in two weeks, we have Karen Thomas. So looking forward to speak to them about the tour and about the Olympic gold medals and everything else around it. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye.